Well, good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Allen. We're so glad that you decided to join us as we're trying to do church differently. And most of you are at home watching. Uh, we're in a series called Decoding Faith, trying to figure out what does it mean to have faith. And this is uh, week six of seven, and we titled this, this uh, teaching A Manufactured Sign, which will make a little more sense in a few minutes. Um, I want to start with a question. I often do that. This is a question probably lots of people are asking right now. And all of us have probably asked it at some time, especially when our lives have been more difficult. And that's the question, why would a good God allow bad things to happen? More personally, bad things to happen to me. And obviously, bad things happening to lots and lots of people, millions of people uh, dealing with this virus. Um, People have questioned their faith, people have lost their faith, people have decided there can't be a God because bad things are happening. So I want to put a different twist on this question this way. What about the bad in you and me? Let me ask you the question, have you ever done anything bad? We all have, right? In fact, we probably would have done some things even worse if we thought we wouldn't get caught. And some of us have gotten caught and suffered consequences for doing bad things. So we've all done bad things. So that leads to this question. How would God allow me to happen? Because I'm that's like totally bad, but I do bad things. So another way to phrase it, if God was good, he would have done something about me or the badness in me. So the logical extreme, and my wife just goes crazy when I do this, it bugs her. I said, you've got to carry that to the extreme. All right, here's the logical extreme. I don't believe in God, that God exists, because I exist and I am bad. But I can't prove it because if God existed, I wouldn't exist. So it just makes no sense at all. So it's logical and it's emotional to ask the question, why would a good God let bad things happen? But it certainly doesn't disprove that there is a God and that there's a good God. So, we are going to talk today about a story from the Gospel of John that we've been looking at in this series. And John gives us the story of Jesus with a specific agenda, a specific uh, uh, goal in mind, and that's f- for us to understand who Jesus was, Jesus' Jesus's identity. We want to find out who he was. So John says, I saw this, I saw this, I saw this. He calls them signs, miraculous signs. We call them miracles. He said, no, no, they're not just miracles. They are signs. They point to the identity of Christ. Um, Can we go to the next slide, please? John would say to us, hang on, actually. (laughs) All right, because I've seen things you haven't seen. I've seen evil. Evil that John saw probably surpasses any evil we see today. And God didn't put it into it. He did something different. He did something better. He saw the bad in me, yet he loved me. And he went to work not to end evil in the world, but to end evil in me. 
So again, his agenda was, hey, I want you to see what I saw, so you'll believe what I believe, that Jesus was the Messiah. Now last week, we, we we've centered in on, on a question that's really important. Do you have to understand everything to believe something? And we don't do this in any, any other part of our lives. You know, I use the internet, I don't understand it at all. I drive my car, I don't understand how, you know, internal combustion engines work, etc., etc. So, it's only in this area of faith that people seem to say, oh, I've got to understand it all to believe that there's a God. Well, no, no, no. John would say, okay, let's just boil this down. Let's figure out if this Jesus guy was who he said he was, if he was truly the Messiah, the Son of God, and if so, then we'll try and figure out the other stuff. Now, between chapter 9, which you looked at in John last week, and chapter 11, we're going to look at today, Jesus has this encounter with the religious leaders. It's always dangerous because they were butting heads. And so they ask him a question. It's in John 10, 24, and 25. He's at the temple in Jerusalem. People surrounding him, including religious leaders, ask him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? <laughs> what? Jesus said, uh, they ask, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I've already told you. It's kind of like the blind guy last week we talked about. Three times he had to tell them, I was blind, but now I see. Jesus said, I've been telling you over and over again. Won't you listen? Won't you open your minds? I've already told you, and you don't believe me. He said, the proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. And John would say, this is these miraculous signs, these, these things that he did. So another way of phrasing this is Jesus said this. I didn't just, or John said, I didn't just tell you. I've shown you. And we talked about willful blindness last week. Some of us just refuse to believe what we see. I see it and I still don't believe it. So this story we get to this, this, this week <clears throat> in John chapter 11, Jesus is going to kind of force the hand of the unbelievers. He's going to push it to the extreme. He said, if you don't believe now, nothing's going to, nothing's going to make you believe. Now, he leaves Jerusalem because it's dangerous there. He goes not back north where he's been going back and forth all these weeks. He goes across the Jordan where John the Baptist was. We were there last year. It's probably, I don't know, 50-mile trip east of Jerusalem. It's down in the, down in the uh, uh, valley. It's, it's hot. It was, it was 100 degrees and we were there <laughs> at the end of April. Um, and that's where he's gone. So he's about, uh, you know, two days away, at least walking-wise. And so then we get to the story. This is John chapter 11, and it's, it's pretty long, it's pretty detailed, and again, this is one reason we believe it's true. <laughs> People wouldn't make some of this stuff up. So when Jesus heard about, <clears throat> no, excuse me, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany. Now, Bethany is about <laughs> two miles from Jerusalem. So it's a long way from where Jesus is now. He lived there with his sisters, Mary and Martha. The two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. So these people were uh, close friends of Jesus. Jesus had spent time with them. He had been in their house. He'd, he'd eaten with them, etc. When Jesus heard about, what, uh, heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God 
will receive glory from this. Now, who's the Son of God? It's Jesus. Now, it's interesting because if we see the timeline later, at this point, Lazarus is already dead. And Jesus is saying, this sickness is going to end in death. So what Jesus is saying here, that this illness and this evil in the world today, for example, doesn't prove God doesn't exist. It proves that God does exist. And he's creating here a new category we talked about last week, that people's sickness isn't because of something they've done. It's because of something God wants to do. God wants to reveal about himself or about his son Jesus. A new category. And... Uh, Seems a little strange to us. This person's sick because you want to heal him. But just hang in there as we go through the story. Um, Next verse. Uh, So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary, okay, well, you couldn't love them if he let them get sick and actually die. No, 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 no. Let's be sure we understand. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And one reason he allowed this to happen was to reveal his glory, but also for you and I 2,000 years later to understand that God still loves us when life doesn't go well. In this case, maybe uh, the crisis in our, in our world with this virus. He stayed there now for the next two days. Finally, he said, disciples, let's go back to Judea. That's back to Jerusalem. Back, Bethany's close to there. <clears throat> so, what would this look like in your life and my life? That God would still love us, yet doesn't seem to arrive in time. Uh, why the wait? We're going to see why the wait in his case. Why the wait in our case? We may or may not know. Now, his disciples objected. He said, Rabbi, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. They got so upset with Jesus' response, they were getting ready to stone him. Are you going there again? This is dangerous. Dangerous for you, and since we're your followers, it's going to be dangerous for us. What's the problem if you're a follower, somebody's getting stoned? They might miss and hit you, or they might (laughs) include you. So this was a serious matter, personal matter to your safety for the, for the disciples. So you see the tension here. I'm not sure we want to do that. And then often as Jesus does, he seems to change the subject. And he goes off and says this. There are 12 hours of daylight every day. And I'm, I'm the disciple, I'm thinking, we're talking about going back to Jerusalem, getting stoned, and you're talking about daylight? During the day, people can walk safely. Yeah, we know that. Uh, they can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, there's dangerous stumbling because they have no light. Yeah, 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 yeah Jesus, we know that. So what's the point? Well, Jesus had said, I am the light of the world. If you want to see, not just physically, but you want to see spiritually, if you want to see in the, in the uh, uh, emotional areas of life, you need to take advantage of the opportunity. That I am the light of the world. I'm here now. You guys have this great opportunity to be personally experiencing the light of the world. Don't miss it. He says, without this light, you stumble around. And and people without Jesus, 
If you're not a Jesus follower, the lucky that you're here. But without Jesus, what, where do you find purpose and meaning in life? Um, it's like stumbling around in the darkness. Why do I exist? What is life about? As Jesus followers, we know and understand the meaning and purpose of life. Does life make sense to you? So after saying that, he goes back to the, to the, to the narrative. He says, our friend Lazarus, of course, John's writing this years later. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. <laughs> now again, the disciples say, oh, Jesus, if he's sleeping, let him sleep. <laughs> when he gets up, he'll get up on his own. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Do you ever give God medical advice in your prayers? Uh, God, this is what you need to do. You need to fix this. You need to heal this. You need to take care of this. I think God understands and God knows what to do. But it just seems weird. Right? What? He, he, he's sleeping? Now, the next part is going to seem harsh to us and harsh to this family that's grieving. But Jesus says it this uh, John records it this way. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. All right, let's not get confused here. He's physically died. And for your sakes, I'm glad he wa I wasn't there. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, you said it was, you're glad that your friend Lazarus died? Why? Why was he glad? For now you will really believe. Like I say, he's going to push the envelope. You don't believe after <laughs> what happens next, you're never going to believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, one of the disciples, uh, <clears throat> said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus, which is a bold statement. He's saying, okay, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to follow him if it takes us back to Jerusalem where they're threatening to stone him and we can possibly die too. And as a Jesus follower, that's the place all of us need to be, right? Whether, uh, Job said, whether, even though if he slays me, even if, he, if I die, I'm still going to trust him. So one reason I think this has happened is for you and for me and for the, all the people that have followed Jesus for the last 2,000 years. Uh, not only so they would believe, but that you and I would believe. So, he, gets, he arrives back at Bethany. He's told that Lazarus has been in his grave for four days. If you add up the math, like I said, Jesus, he was already dead when Jesus found out about this. But instead of rushing back, Jesus waited a couple days. Takes a couple days to travel there, so it's four days later. And as we're going to see, Lazarus isn't just dead, he's really dead. He's four days dead. So, First, Martha got word that Jesus was coming. She went out to meet him. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, notice her faith. If only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You ever pray that prayer? Jesus, if only if you'd done this, this wouldn't have happened. Only if you would have healed this person, they wouldn't have died. If you would have, you know, let me keep my job, I wouldn't be in this financial crisis. We all pray those prayers. But the problem with that prayer is this. What are you and I doing? We're saying, God, it's your fault. 
You know what we're saying? God, it's your fault that, that Lazarus died. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. So it's your fault. Uh, there's a, we can call, have a term for this type of, type of faith. We call it complaining faith. We're probably all guilty of doing it at times, right? Yeah, I believe God, but, you know, I wish you would do this. I wish you wouldn't have done that or whatever. The text goes on. But even now, Martha speaking, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So you had, she had a faith. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Now, <clears throat> she's grieving and Jesus is appearing to preach her sermon, so to speak. And it's another thing that kind of <laughs> bugs my wife. Sometimes you said, just save the sermons of Sunday. <laughs> uh, we don't want to hear sermons sometimes, do we? And that seems to be the case here. Jesus, why are you preaching her sermon? She's grieving. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. It's interesting to me, she had a strong belief in the resurrection of the dead. This is before Jesus had been resurrected. So she'd never seen it, but she believed it, theological uh, belief she had. But Jesus said, okay, this is not a sermon. <laughs> this is about reality. This is about me. I am the resurrection and the life. We're not talking about abstract. We're not talking about the future. We're talking about I, Jesus, and the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That's my identity. I am life, not just physical life, but eternal life. So everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Well, we're all going to die. What is he talking about? He's talking about spiritual death. That is separation from God uh, when we leave this body. He said, believe in me, you won't have to ever be separated from God in this life or the next life. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. So he's saying, well, death isn't the end. Death is a door to the next form of existence. Now, I understand this is hard to believe. And this is, if we've gone through these different miraculous signs, and this is probably one of the most difficult ones to understand or to believe. But if you can't believe this, how are you going to believe, as we're going to talk about next week, that Jesus himself is resurrected. And that's the foundation of Christianity. Again, do we have to understand it all? To believe something? No. So then Mary, the other sister, arrived and saw Jesus, fell at his feet, and said the same thing. Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. It's your fault. If you got here sooner, we wouldn't be grieving Lazarus. Our brother, your loved one, is dead. Now, the text goes on to, to deal with the grieving. When Jesus saw her weeping and the other people wailing with her, uh, a crowd had gathered, we'd say like a, like a funeral. It would go on for days. The text reads this translation, deep anger welled up with him and he was deeply troubled. There's a lot of debate about why he was angry. He was 
Some people say they're angry because of their lack of faith, or they're angry because they're grieving. None of that makes sense to me, right? <laughs> it's normal to grieve, and it would be normal to not believe that Lazarus would come back to life because no one had ever, well, Jesus had raised a sick person, a dead person that just died. So, I don't think that's it. I think the reason he is so troubled and upset is that this is what happens because of the sin and evil in the world. People suffer, they die, and we see this with the virus. And our loved ones are lost, and there's grief and sorrow and suffering. And so this is breaking Jesus' heart. And he's going to eventually, on the cross, provide a solution. So he asked the question, uh, where have you put him? Speaking of Lazarus, he said, come, come and see. Now, most of you probably know the Bible wasn't written in verses. <laughs> uh, later they were put into verses. And I'm thankful to the person that did that, or the group of people that did that, because this John 11:35 is very significant verse. It's only two words. <laughs> As a teenager, when we were doing my Bible memorization, we would memorize this verse first because it was the easiest one. Um, but Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Peter would later write, or later, would write, um, cast your cares on him because he cares about you. And Jesus is showing how much he cares. The Bible also tells us to weep with those who weep. And these people are suffering and grieving, he's grieving with them even though he knows that he's going to turn their sorrow into joy. So the people saw who were standing, who were standing said, nearby said, see how much he loved them. So that was the observation of Jesus weeping, that they understood how much Jesus loved them, just how much we understand how much he loves us. But some said, there's always the cynics, right? This man healed a blind man. We talked about that last week. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Again, it's Jesus. It's your fault. So it's kind of this attitude. If he could have, he would have. But since he didn't, he can't. Is that true? That's not true. He could have. He didn't. But he can. In fact, he's going to... So why did he do this? Again, I think it was not just for them, it's for us 2,000 years later. Especially when we're, we're suffering, when we're grieving, when we're waiting for God to do something. God says, okay, it's, it's not time yet. I've got a, a bigger purpose. So Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. It was a cave in the, uh, in, uh, in the stone wall. And uh, had a stone rolled across it, just like Jesus was, was buried. He says, roll the stone aside. But Martha's thinking, wait, well, wait a minute, Jesus. <laughs> there's a reason there's a stone in front of there. The dead man's sister protested. Lord, if he'd been, he's been dead for four days. What happens when a body's been dead for four days? The smell will be terrible. And I think as they roll the stone away, the people are backing away. <laughs> They're not wanting to smell the smell. And Jesus says, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? 
All right, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's, let's get distracted. I, I told you, you're going to see God's glory. Roll the stone aside. Many of us would say, well, you know, I would like to see something like that now. And John would say to us, I saw it. You didn't have to see it. Lots of other people have seen it. You need to believe it on my testimony, on my word. So Jesus looked up to heaven, and I referenced this this week. Uh, great prayer for all of us to pray. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. So when you pray and I pray, say, thank you, God, for listening. Thank you for hearing, because you always hear me. But he said it out loud for the sake of the people standing there, so that they would believe you sent me. Again, the bottom line question is, who is this Jesus? Whether he raised Lazarus, he didn't, whether he let Lazarus die or not. The bottom line question is, who is this Jesus? And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. One of the few things I remember as a teenager listening to sermons was my pastor said it's important that he used his name. If he hadn't used his name, how many people would have came out of the grave? It would be like the walking dead, wouldn't it? Everybody come out. No, no, no. We just want Lazarus to come out. Not everybody. So the dead man came out. And his hands and feet were bound in, in grave clothes. His face wrapped in head cloth. Now, I always pictured each kind of levitated and floated out. I don't think it happened that way. He probably was shuffled out or whatever. Got up and shuffled out. He was able to do that. And Jesus told him, unwrap him. Let him go. Everybody's standing there probably in awe, obviously. And say, hey, 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 okay. Help him, unwrap him, let him go. Now, this next verse is like, duh. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. The amazing thing is not everybody believed. And one of the greatest proofs we have of this is the early church. The explosion of the early church eventually in 300 years the Roman Empire adopted Christianity? How did that happen? Because people who saw Lazarus come back to life and later saw Jesus come back to life, they were convinced, 100% convinced. And so they started the uh, uh, movement we call Christianity. So Jesus is saying, and John is saying, uh, this is not belief and belief. This is seeing is believing. Right? They saw a man who was not just died, but had been dead for four days and was stinking that came back to life. You can't argue with that. There's no other way to explain it. Uh, just to believe it. But again, do you have to understand it all to believe it? Let me try and illustrate it this way. What if you never saw an airplane before? I'll use my wife as an example. We've been married a long time. If she tells me something, I believe it. So he said, hey, there's these machines, these big, huge machines that, that, that fly through the air. Now, if I've never seen one, I think, no, no, birds can fly through the air. Nothing else can do But I've seen it. She would say to me, I've seen it. She might even say, I've gotten on one. Well, I believe you. I guess this is. I, I can't wait to see it. But not everybody believed. And so the text goes on and 
And the people that didn't want to believe, the religious leaders, because they're going to explain why, if we allow him to go on like this, <laughs> this is kind of funny. <laughs> they thought they could stop Jesus. They could stop God. In fact, Jesus said, nobody takes my life away from me. I, I sacrifice it. Uh, but they thought they could. Soon everybody will believe in him. Now, here was one of their fears. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple, which they felt was where God dwelt, and our nation. <clears throat> so again, Jesus didn't come to eliminate evil or bad from the world. And we have evil and bad in the world still today. He came to do something better. He came to deal with the bad in you and me. The bad that keeps us being from spending eternity with God. That's what he came to do. And again, as we've been reading each week, John tells us why he wrote what he wrote. This is the end of his letter or book. These miraculous signs were written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that he was the Messiah, God himself. And that believing in him, you will have life, eternal life, not just physical life, by the power of his name. So John is saying, if you saw what I saw, you would believe. So I want you to believe in, on my testimony and the testimonies of many others of Saul. So each week we give you something to try and think about uh, during the week. And here's what we're suggesting as you think about this week. What about this story can inspire you and I to have a better mindset during our present circumstances, our present difficulty? I have to admit, this has uh, been emotionally difficult for me. Uh, not staying at home necessarily, but not being able to be face-to-face -face with you folks and to be uh, you know, helping folks out more than I can uh, in the present circumstances. So please, this week, think about how this story, even though things looked horrible, my brother died, that Jesus can redeem the circumstance. And one of my things I'm excited about, this virus will eventually be over and to see what God good that he can and will bring from it. So let me pray with you uh, before we close. Father God, thank you so much uh, that you did everything you could, first of all, by sending your son Jesus to earth and then having performed these signs so that, that only people wouldn't believe but that, that refused to believe because they saw things that only uh, you, uh, the supernatural one, uh, could do. God, maybe some of us have seen supernatural things, so maybe some of us haven't. Um, but you're the same, still the same God. And these are difficult times. Uh, difficult for everyone. Uh, we continue to pray for the world, our country, our leaders, the people on the front lines, uh, people that are grieving, people that are sick, people that have died, those families. Um, we pray for your church, God, and our church that we will uh, not only just survive, but we will, will prosper during these difficult times. So, God, we, we believe. Uh, we believe because we've seen, and we believe because others have seen. We pray for anyone that's still wrestling with this, that you, you, you would take that step. Uh, I, I'm on choosing to believe that this Jesus was who 
he said he was. And then I'll try and figure out the rest. If you pray that prayer, please let us know. In Jesus' name, amen.